Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast, a weekly listen-in to the Sunday morning service of Bridge Church in Dayton, Ohio. I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a situation where it seems like there's no way forward and no way out, whether financial, like bills, debt, feeling like I'm not making as much money as people my own age, relational, marriage troubles, parenting woes, friendship disconnections, really any circumstances that I feel like I can't do anything about, I get a little jealous as I look around because it seems like everyone else's life is perfect. And I have a feeling that you share this with me because we get highlight reels from social media and it makes us compare the not so highlight reels of our own lives. And when we're in this season of life, other people's successes are exaggerated and our failures are exaggerated as well. And it gets easy to become jealous or resentful and become discontent. And at some point, we can shake our fists at God if only in our hearts because we think if God was who he's supposed to be or who he was presented to me to be, then God could have and should have done something by this point. God seems to make everyone else's life wrinkle-free. Why not mine? Well, last week, we looked at the Apostle Paul, a guy who almost single-handedly is responsible for the spread of what we call the church today. And yet, while doing these amazing things, Paul found himself in a difficult, in-the-meantime situation. But what we found is that he was somehow able to continue to believe God, trust God, and move on with his life. There was no conflict between what he saw with his life and who God was. He was able to live in that in the meantime moment and do amazing things. What we're going to discover today is this. Not only did Paul teach us what we learned last week, Paul makes a bold statement that even in the midst of the worst adversity, there is a way to find contentment. Now, contentment is the ability to quit striving internally even when things on the outside are out of control. And Paul says that in Christ, there is a way to achieve contentment despite the fact that we have no control over what's going on around us. Now, to pick up with Paul's life, about 10 years into this mission of spreading the message of Jesus all over the Mediterranean rim, Paul is arrested. And he ends up in Rome under house arrest, awaiting trial, and the emperor at the time was Nero. To be a Christian in Rome with Nero as the emperor was not a great combination. Nero was actually known for lighting his gardens at night with burning Christians. Nero blamed Christians for anything and everything that he could blame them for. So here's Paul in Rome under house arrest, and it looks like it's game over. But Paul is an ambitious guy who finds himself on house arrest with nothing to do because he can't go anywhere or really do anything. And so he decides to write letters. Now, little did he know that these letters would be some of the most widely read literature in all of the history of literature. So he wrote what we call the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And in Paul's mind, he's just passing time. But in reality, he's sculpting the Western world. He's changing the way people view God. He's writing literature that would ultimately undermine the Roman Empire. In fact, what he wrote would be so well read and so well published that it would find its way into multiple languages all over the world. Paul had more to do with shaping culture than anyone who lived after Jesus. Now, here's the point in all that. Paul had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to remain faithful when remaining faithful was difficult. He was just writing letters, hoping that it would get to someone. And not only did they get to the people that he wrote to, it survived the first three centuries, 
made it into the 15th century when the printing press is invented, and ultimately today onto our smartphones. Paul had no idea what hung in the balance from his decision to remain faithful, but we are what hung in the balance. And the reason he accomplished what he did was because of his adversity and because of his response to his adversity. And here's why that's a big deal. You have no idea what or who hangs in the balance of your decision to remain faithful when everything around you says be faithless. When everything around you says there's no point in being ethical, no point in being moral, no point in being faithful, no point in staying, no point in telling the truth. There's no point in doing it how it should be done. There's no point in being obedient or being submissive. You know, there's no point in saying yes to God because there's no win in this. You know, I'm just stuck. But listen, you have no idea what or who hangs in the balance. And the tragedy is we'll never know unless we're willing to remain faithful in the midst of adversity. What you've lived long enough to already learn is this. Many times it's within the context of adversity that God does his most amazing things in you and through you and in the world. So this is a big deal. So when you find yourself, and some of you are there right now, in an in the meantime set of circumstances, God is not absent, apathetic, or angry. God is often at work. And the worst thing we can do is to hit the eject button and try to get ourselves out of the circumstances that we're in instead of saying, God, I wouldn't choose this for me. I wouldn't choose this for an enemy, but here I am. Teach me what it means to be content in the midst of these circumstances. Well, it's in one of these prison letters that Paul writes to the Philippian Christians, and Paul addresses the issue of contentment. And he makes a big, bold statement that I, I want to show you today, and I want to try to illustrate this before we wrap up, what he says to these people in Philippi, writing from house arrest in Rome under the assumption as he's writing that he's going to die. And here's what he writes to them in Philippians 4.10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So here's what happened. Paul is taken under house arrest and news travels slow, but finally the Christians in Philippi hear the news. And when they hear, they send him a care package. Well, it takes a long time for it to get there because there's no Amazon. So Paul is sitting there all alone, and all of a sudden, he gets this care package from these people, and he's excited. So he writes them, and he tells them, I'm glad you renewed your concern. Paul is grateful. And then he uses this as a way to talk about this big idea of contentment. Here's what he says, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for, or in other words, I'm glad you sent me the care package. I'm glad you remember me, but don't get me wrong. I'm not glad because I was afraid. I wasn't just sitting here going crazy on the inside. I'm not glad because I was overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, meaning it took a while. It was a process. It wasn't natural. I have learned, he says, to be content whatever the circumstances. The idea of content is being internally self-sufficient. I've learned to deal with it, Paul is saying. I've learned to not let it drag me down. I've learned to live in such a state that even though things around me are unsure, I'm not stressing out. I'm not striving. I'm not yearning for something else. And I'm not running away either. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. That's an amazing statement. Now, if I stopped right here, 
I'm not sure about you, but when I read that, I think, and maybe I'm alone, I want to learn that. If there's a way to learn how to be content, not happy, happiness is based on what's happening, not crazy like, bring it on, I'll take more please, not pious like being miserable makes you more religious, but if there's a way on the inside to be okay when things on the outside are not okay, I want to know it. Where do I sign up? I'll change my whole schedule to be there for that class. And Paul is saying, like, I just want you to know, whether you learn it or not, it exists. There is a category of contentment that works in every situation. And when you find yourself in an in-the-meantime situation, there is a way to be content. Not apathetic. Paul was not apathetic. Paul was not, oh, well, whatever guy. Paul was a person of extremes. When he wasn't a Christian, he was going to kill all the Christians. When he became a Christian, he decided he was going to, like, tell everybody about it. Paul is saying, despite my personality and my circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. That's powerful. He goes on in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He's saying, I've had more than I needed, and I didn't get addicted to having more than I needed, so that when I was in need, I wasn't unhappy. I've learned to navigate having a lot and a little. Having a lot didn't wreck my contentment. Having not enough didn't wreck my contentment. He goes on in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, this is so cool, because in the Greek text, Paul grabs a word from their culture that shows up nowhere else in the entire New Testament. And the reason that that matters is this. If you've ever been having a conversation with some friends and someone drops a big word, everyone around always reacts, right? Like, whoa, you're trying out your new like word of the day app, huh? In the same way, Paul, every once in a while, will introduce a new word that he uses nowhere else that no other writer uses. And the point is to get readers to stop and pay attention. He's making a point, and the term that he used was only used by cultic mysticism to describe someone being initiated into a secret society. If you were in a fraternity or sorority, it was that moment that you got in and they shared all the secrets. Essentially, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I've been initiated into the cult of contentment. I've been given the secret knowledge that is available to everyone, but not everyone knows about it. Contentment, whether well-fed or hungry, having plenty or being in need. And after he gets us all to lean in with that statement, wanting to know the secret of surviving the terrible times in life, he finally, in the next verse, tells us. Now, in the next verse is one of the most famous verses in the entire New Testament. It also is one of the most misapplied verses in all of literature. This is one of those verses that you've probably heard in some way or you've seen it written somewhere. And unfortunately, it's so short and sweet and pithy and so easy to remember that people have yanked it way out of context and applied it to all kinds of stuff that it was never meant to be applied to. But in context, this verse that perhaps you've heard before is Paul's summary of how to live in contentment in the midst of circumstances that are chaotic, or in his case, life-threatening. You ready? Here it is, Philippians 4.13. I can do all this. All of what, Paul? Persecution, run out of town, stone and left for dead, house arrest under Nero, thinking I'm about to die. I can do all of this and maintain my commitment 
Paul would say, I'm not striving, I'm not tempted to disobey, I'm not tempted to compromise, I'm not tempted to deny God or call Nero Lord. I can do all of this through him. And if you grew up in a King James church, it said through Christ. The initial writing said him. Later manuscripts took him out and put in Christ so that everybody knew it was Christ Paul was talking about. I can do all this, I can survive all this, I can maintain my contentment through Christ who gives me strength, literally. If I could add a word, and God, we can talk about this when I get to heaven, and Paul, I'm really sorry, this is just for clarification, and, and I'm doing this because Paul mentioned this in other places, and I don't think he or anyone would mind. Basically, I can do all this through him who gives me his strength. Paul elaborates in other letters he wrote that there is a mystery for believers. For actually the life of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, the endurance of Jesus is available to us in Christ. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me his strength. Just to be clear, let me tell you what he was not talking about. He was not talking about this. Now, I'm sure this is a wonderful, well-meaning Christian school and the football team is about to take the field of battle and they're carrying their flag that they can do all things. And, and I personally think that Paul is up in heaven, like arms crossed, really? No, like I'm rotting away in prison and you're like using this to win a football game? That's not what I was talking about, Paul would say. I, I'm not talking about winning something. I'm talking about surviving something. Paul would say, I'm in jail. I'm fighting for my life when I wrote that. And, you know, it's not that this is bad necessarily, but you need to know, like, if you rip this verse out of context, you miss the secret of contentment. You miss being initiated into the secret life of what it means to be content. I can be fine on the inside, even though the world around me is out of control. I can do all things through him who strengthens me with his strength. I can survive all things. I can thrive under all circumstances. I can maintain my internal composure, not because I am strong, but because he gives me his strength. Let's summarize this and then talk about what we do from here. I can't. He can. And he can through me. I'm not able. I can't. I'm not, I'm strong, you know, I'm educated, I'm good under pressure, I've got savings and a good job and a nice car and some friends, but when it comes to this thing, I can't. It's beyond me. I'm not going to pretend I can, I'm not going to lie about it, I'm not going to fake it or act my way into it with cool posters or quotes everywhere. I'm just going to admit right up front, I can't handle this, but Jesus can't. And the reason that I know Jesus can is because he dragged his own cross up that hill and died for my sin. And if you can do that on purpose, what I'm facing is nothing in comparison. And most importantly, he can through me. There's something in your life possibly and you're thinking, God, I just can't keep doing this. And your heavenly father says, you're right, <laughs> you can't. And it's all right, but I can and I can through you. It's that mystery of Christ in you and through you. Your health isn't good, and the doctors just kind of shrug, and they say, you know, they can monitor and treat, but they just can't cure it. And you think, I just can't handle this. And you're right, you can't, but he can. 
and he can through you. Your career is out of your control. There are other people who control what happened to you and it drives you crazy. And sometimes the anxiety is more than you can bear and you are tempted to do something unethical, something stupid, something that you're gonna regret and your insides are churning. And Paul would say, I can't tell you how to live your life, but I can tell you this. You can find contentment in all things. You can't do it, but he can. And he can through you. You might be thinking, I don't understand that. And Paul would say, I can't really explain it anymore either. It's a mystery. But it is a mystery that creates a reality to where you have contentment through the in the meantime circumstances because your Savior lives inside of you. So what do we do with this? Here's what I want you to do for at least this week, but for many of you for this season of life because things are tough right now. I want you to write this down. I want you to put it where you start and end your day. In the morning, I want you to start off saying, I can't, you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Before my feet hit the floor, before I walk out the door, before I move on with this day, God, I can't, but you can. No matter what it is that we have that we can't handle for at least this week. And then when you go to bed at night, this is the mysterious part. At night, I want you to whisper this prayer. Teach me the mystery of Christ in me. Now, I know that might be weird to some of you. You might be thinking like, what is this bald guy talking about? If you've only caught bits and pieces of this video, you might be thinking that I've just asked you to join a cult. But seriously, ask God this because I can't teach you. I'm learning myself. God, teach me the mystery of Christ in me. I want to learn the secret of contentment that's how Paul said it. He said that he learned. It wasn't intuitive. So every morning, God, I, I want to start out by saying, I can't, but I believe that you can. And every night, God, I want you to teach me the mystery of you living your life in and through me. And here's the bottom line in all this. In the meantime, in those moments I find myself in where there's no way forward and no way out, I want us to learn the secret of contentment, Christ in you, empowering this is best learned in community talk this out with the people in your circle hold each other to this and learn together if you don't have a circle join our Sunday circle at 4 p.m. let me pray God we know that we can't but help us acknowledge it. help us to learn that you can with your strength in us Jesus and teach us that mystery as we walk through life in the meantime